Thank you, Bobby and Ruth. Wow. I love that. You blessed our hearts immensely, and we're thankful to God for both of you. And I want to ask you to open your Bibles, please, to Philippians, the first chapter. The first chapter of Philippians. In a moment, we'll read the last sentence of verse 18 and then continue reading through verse 26. This is the fifth in our series of messages on Paul's epistle, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Paul was in prison in Rome as he wrote this epistle, and he writes to a church that he loved very, very much. The message today is entitled, Living and Dying. I've heard a few times through the years, uh, folks say to me, pastors don't have any idea what it means to live in the real world. Now, I'm old enough that I don't react like I used to to things that are silly, <laughs> but thoughtful and contemplative about that. And I certainly would agree that the realm in which I serve daily may be different from the calling that most of you have. And I feel that all of us are called to what we're doing. It's not that pastors are called and nobody else is called. We're all called to the work of God in different ways. But I did think about things pertaining to the that statement And I thought about the people who come to see me in my office and our other pastors with real-life issues and real-life problems, trying to hold a marriage together, trying to know what to do about a rebellious child and what to do about sin in someone's life that, if it were known, would shock the church. And so we deal with issues of living. And then there are those times when, every week, when I visit the sick and the dying. And those times of holding someone's hand as they pass into eternity. And then ministering to a broken hearted and wounded family. And so I concluded that there is nothing more real than living and dying. Billy Graham died on Wednesday. That's a misnomer. You know what he said about that day. And we concur he's more alive today than he's ever been before. What an incredible ministry, and I could devote the rest of the sermon to Billy Graham, but if he were able to speak to me, he would say, don't you do that. In his last interview that he gave before his last crusade, which was in New York in 2005, Billy Graham said, I look forward to death. I cannot wait to see God face to face.
Paul thought about living and dying. And like Billy Graham, Paul had this in common with the great modern-day evangelist. Both of them spent their lives telling people how they could go to heaven. And Paul thought about living and dying and gave his life to guiding people to know what to do in life and how to be ready for death. And so we read these precious words of Paul to the beloved believers in Philippi. Stand with me for just a moment while we read. If you look at the last sentence of verse 18, that's where we start. And it says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. And you may be seated. So from the text, there are two things that I want us to think about very simply, living and dying, and then some takeaway for us as we leave this place in just a few minutes. So let's think first of all about living. We see in verse 21 that powerful, famous verse, for to me to live is Christ. So in this thought of living, we think back to verse 18, 19, and 20, where Paul expresses great confidence and Where or what is the object of his confidence? And the answer to that is Christ. Christ is his confidence. So as we think about living, I want us to think about Christ and confidence. So first of all, under living, we think about Christ. Verse 21 is a declaration with two parts. The two parts, living and dying. Paul said, my life is in Christ. He has saved me. And elsewhere in Scripture, we'll recall that Paul called himself the chief of sinners. And we are amazed when we read that. But Paul, in his humility, said, I am the chief of sinners. But he has saved me, and he holds me, and my life is totally his, and I am totally committed to him. In no way is Paul depending on his knowledge, his flesh, his Jewishness, 
or anything he might once have had, like position and wealth, not depending on any of that to save him, much less to keep him. My life is in Christ, Paul said, and you don't have to be the Apostle Paul to say that. Jesus Christ is real to us. And as we worship Him today, we think about that. He is real to us. He chose us. He called us. He saved us. He keeps us. He empowers us. He guides us through the Holy Spirit. And I am a husband. I am a father. I am a grandfather, I am a brother, I am a pastor, I am a citizen of Belton, but at my core is Christ. And it is the same for every believer in this room, regardless of who or what you are in this life, at the core is Jesus Christ. And we are reminded in the text that to live is Christ. And he has first claim on me. And he has first claim on you. That has to be more than a theory. It has to be real. And apart from him, not only am I nothing, but I am lost and separated from God. So we think about living and we think about Christ and then we think about confidence because Paul in the text expresses confidence and Christ is the object of his confidence. So Paul is confident because of Christ, confident of his ultimate deliverance from chains, regardless of what Caesar does with him or to him. In the last epistle that Paul wrote, which is second Uh, Timothy, these words in the fourth chapter and the 18th verse, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And he says, Paul says to the church in Philippi and to us, Your prayers are an important part of my confidence and my ultimate deliverance. And he expresses his gratitude to them. So even though a prisoner, Paul says, I am not ashamed, but I have courage and I will exalt Christ in my body, whether it be in life or in death. In verse 20, he uses the word hope. And I remind you that the New Testament word for hope is not a wish or a guess, but it is a certainty. That word hope is a certainty. And Paul is absolutely certain of his triumph in Christ. So the triumph comes in verse 21 when he says, if for me to live is Christ to die is gain. And then I love, I just, I just love the way Paul writes this letter. 
he sorts through everything in verses 22 through 26. He makes the great declaration for me to live as Christ to die as gain. Then he sorts through all this as if he's talking out loud and he talks to the church in Philippi and, and we get in on it. And I love his thought process as a result of his declaration in verse 21. If I live, he says, then hot diggity dog, I've got some, I've got some meaningful fruitful labor in front of me. If I live, it means Jesus is not finished with me yet, and I've got lots to do, and I can't wait to get to it. If I die, I am immediately with Christ. I would call that a win-win proposition. And you and I are in the same place in a win-win proposition. If we stay here, Jesus has something for us to do. If he calls us home, then we are in his presence. I don't know how that's anything but a win-win for every believer. Paul has an inner, I don't call it debate, he has an inner discussion. And the church in Philippi and us get to be in on it. And the bottom line is Paul says death is better for me because I get to be with Christ. And and how could that be a bad thing for any believer? But for you, Philippi, he says, it is better for me to live because we long to see each other. And Paul was convinced that he would see them again. Did he? Yes, I believe he did. If you take all the epistles that Paul wrote, put them all together, sort through it all, you'll come to understand that Paul was in prison, in this prison stay, for two years in Rome, approximately two years. Then he was released, likely because the Jews from Jerusalem never did show up in Rome to testify against him. He was released. He traveled. He preached. He returned to Philippi. He may have gone as far as Spain because he had said earlier, years before he wrote Philippians in Romans 15, 24, when I get to Rome and I spend some time with you, then I'm going to go to Spain. And so when he was released, that may be exactly what he did. We don't know for sure. But at some point, Paul is imprisoned once again in Rome, appeared before Caesar and was executed, and there's good evidence that that happened in May or June of 68 A.D. Paul's total time in prison was about five and a half or six years, putting it all together. So, Paul says, personally, personally, it's better for me to go home. It's better for me to go home. Now, Have you ever thought that? You ever wished that? Maybe in the midst of some pain or crisis, you got to thinking about what you're facing and you got to thinking about heaven and you concluded, I just, I really wish I could go home. Paul felt that. Paul felt that. But Paul said to Philippi, it's better for you if I stay. And that's what your family and your friends would say. It's better for us if you stay. And Paul said, I know it's better for you if I stay and I will for a while. But not terribly long. 
So Paul talks about living, but I want us to notice he talks about dying. And under dying, there are two things. Just as as under living, there was Christ and confidence. Under dying, there is gain and ready. Gain and ready. Paul says in dying, there is gain. Because nothing here compares to the glory of heaven. Now, we're going to gain a better body, a better home, a better fellowship. We'll see Jesus. There won't be any more sin. Not yours, not mine, not anybody else's. No more goodbyes. I don't like to say goodbye. Well, most of the time. I don't like to say goodbye. Won't be any more goodbyes. No more pain or sorrow. Read Revelation. Read John, John's gospel as Jesus talks about heaven. There's no question but that for you as a believer, dying is going to be gain. Don't be afraid of it. The process, I know it's the process we don't look forward to. That We're worried about what the process might be. But understand that death itself holds no fear for the Christian. It is gain for you. But the second word is ready. Paul said, I'm ready to live. Are are you ready to live? To keep on keeping on. Are you ready to keep on living? Life counts. And so we live it to the full. And we love life. I love life. Are you ready to live? Because Jesus still has something for you to do. And then are you ready to die? It's a big question. No more important question hangs in this room today than are you ready to die? Paul was. He was ready spiritually, gave his life to Christ. He was ready and submitted to God's sovereignty. And understand, if you believe God is sovereign, then understand you won't die one minute early or one minute late. Until then, you have a purpose here. Stay after it. Stay with it. Paul was human. Um, I love the way he writes this. He loved Philippi. He loved other believers. And so in that sense, Paul said, I want to stay. You know, you understand that. I understand that. You and I feel that. I want to stay. Man, i got a long way to go. We would like to think we've got a long way to go. Whether we do or not, we've got a long way to go. And I want to be here for my family. My wife and I have gotten to see our two kids grow up. They both love and serve the Lord. Married wonderful believers. We've got some great grand, wonderful grandkids. I want to see them grow up. So, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to be here a while longer and, and I want to continue to see what God's going to do through you because I love this church and I love life. Uh, the last two Saturdays, I got to play basketball with three of my grandsons and life doesn't get any better than that. I love it. Got to come and watch two of them play upward basketball. And as you see me walk a little slower than normal down the hall today, now you know why. 
I want to live. And you want to live. But are you ready to die? Because James reminds us life is a vapor. On Valentine's Day, the the school kids and the faculty at the school in Parkland, Florida, did not wake up that morning thinking on the way to school, some of us are going to die today. The farthest thing in the world from their minds. And we are still grieving over that horrific morning. But we are reminded, no matter how old you are, where you are, what you're doing, life is fragile, life is a vapor. So there's living and there's dying. Are you ready to live and are you ready to die? So what's the takeaway from this text this morning? So here's the takeaway. Be certain that you know Christ. Be absolutely certain that you know Christ. Don't leave this room today without the absolute certainty in your heart that you know Jesus. Nothing more important in all this world than that. You don't have to leave here guessing. Well, I think I am. No, you can leave here with certainty. There's nothing more important. I don't ever want to minimize what Jesus does for us here in this life. It is unbelievable what he does for us and the way he blesses us. But don't forget eternity. Remember the dot. You, you hear last week, you remember the dot, the line, the straight line that is eternity busts out the south wall, goes on forever and ever. That goes back to creation and even beyond creation. And it makes its way here and it goes and busts out the north wall. And that line goes forever and ever and ever because there is no ending to eternity. And somewhere in that line, there's your life and mine. And we're a dot right there. Now, it's an important dot. And, and Jesus gave his life for a lot of dots. But your life and mine is that dot, just a smidgen of time. Very important. But don't lose sight of the fact that it is in the light of eternity, it is a dot. And most of our existence will be out there. And so it is important for us to be absolutely certain while we're in the middle of this dot that we know for sure we belong to Jesus. And you can know that simply by saying to him this morning, if you've never done this before, dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I need a savior. Forgive me of my sin. I repent and turn away from my sin. And today I ask you to come into my heart and be my savior and my Lord. And I receive you into my life today. And I thank you for coming into my life. You can leave this place knowing, knowing Jesus. What's the rest of the takeaway? Live rejoicing. I'm amazed at the joy of Paul, even in prison. I'm amazed at the joy of many of you. You're an amazing people. And it is your witness. And it is important. 
my wife was traveling this week weather-wise it was not a good week to travel she was trying to get home from Oklahoma City and what should have been a very short journey took over a day to actually make it because of the ice and stuff that was up there and the storms that were down here finally American Airlines put her on a flight of about noon Thursday to get back here so she went to Houston and then to Killeen she was seated on the flight from Oklahoma City to Houston beside a lady who she found was a believer but really scared of flying on a tough day you've been there you know what that's like when the plane the plane goes down and your stomach stays up here it's one of those one of those kind of days and so she was really able to help this lady uh, because that really didn't bother didn't bother Sharon and that lady turned to her and said in the middle of the flight I knew the second I saw you walk into the waiting area that you were a believer it's all over you I knew you were a believer and, and Sharon's response was, that's just the way I want to live my life. Live rejoicing. Thirdly, live depending. Our lives are His, not our own. We're bought with a price. So He invites you to live in dependence on Him. Cast all your anxiety on Him for He cares for you. So be certain you know Christ. Live rejoicing, live depending. Number four, live courageously. What can man do to you? Kill you and send you to heaven? What can man do to you? Live courageously. Your life here and then eternity, we want to live courageously. We are in his hands. Be courageous. Finally, Live anticipating. That's the last one. Be certain you know Christ. Live rejoicing. Live depending. Live courageously. Live anticipating. Anticipating the blessings of God that are yours here while you walk the face of planet earth. Live anticipating the trials that you have had and will continue to have, but with the knowledge he will be with you. And then live anticipating the day that is coming. When you will see him face to face. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. In a moment we'll stand and Brother Gary will lead us in the singing of our hymn of invitation. And we offer this invitation because there's a certainty in our hearts that there are people in this room who do not yet know Jesus. And you may be one of those. And so the invitation to you from the risen Christ this morning is to come and give your heart and life to Jesus. Be, do not, I beg you, do not leave this room in uncertainty about eternal life, in uncertainty about belonging to Christ. Come this morning and place your hand in mine and say very simply, I want to be certain or I know I need Jesus and a member of our staff will be here to pray with you. So in a moment when we stand, will you come? Father, we who already know you 
are living in anticipation. In anticipation of all that you have yet before us in this life and in anticipation of the day that we see you face to face. Father, if there's one person in this room who is uncertain or knows that he or she does not yet belong to Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit will woo and draw that one or those several to yourself today. That they might leave this place in the absolute certainty and knowledge that they now belong to Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.